thing, and then I forgot about it. You just take it easy this week. It's cool. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I don't know. We should do a Team Skull style rap intro. I'm not rapping. Oh, not. you haven't seen that? No. Oh, there's a, you know how you go to their little town, their ghetto town, and there's a couple of them who are running the Pokemon Center, mm-hmm. and they're like, you have to give us transference before we heal your Pokemon because we're desperate to make money. Yeah. Um, that's right. They, they like coerce a community into giving them Buckfitty. Yeah, it's pretty much a Buckfitty. What? It's, it's 10 Pokemon monies, which I understand to be loosely yen-ish. Yeah. So it's like a buck. Yeah. Just imagine this entire gang that's successfully encircled. No way. It's like, please, please, please buy me a coffee. Please. I'm begging you. <laughs> Pretty much. This this whole gang that encircles a town's vital infrastructure hanging around outside the Pokemon Center all threatening, playing with knives. And as you draw close, they're like, Spur change. Oh, the whole place is their town. There's no one else there. <laughs> I don't know whose Pokemon they're healing except each other's. Mm. Except yours. But you're technically well, an you invader. See, you see, they have, the ten, they, they, they have ten cents amongst them all. And the so they keep is- healing... They keep healing each other and trading the 10 cents around. Passing the same coin. That's the saddest same. fucking thing. By the way, I, and then, I'm recording And then what this. happened, what that, what that 10 cents became, what they don't tell you, is that one day this, this young, strapping young duck came to, came to the town and he swindled them all out of that 10 cents. And that's how Scrooge McDuck got his lucky dime. Wow. <laughs> I like this canon crossover. This is good stuff. Well, the good ending is that once you're done with that part of the story, you don't need a Pokemon Center there anymore, so instead they sell you one of their Team Skull shirts for ten grand. Ten grand. That's cheap That's clothing in Pokemon. I was going to say, did they work out economics? I think work? they did. They were like, wait a minute, this trainer is fuck-loaded. <laughs> so you you were carrying an amulet coin and you used Happy Hour. Gimme! Do I get that? Do I get the? Do do do, do you get to buy the the, the hat too? No, or the, you only the, the top, you the and you don't get the the scuffy jean shorts either, which pisses me off. Man. Yeah, you can't get the bandana, just the See, top. See, Team Skull does not yet know how to monetize their brand. I think this needs to be the first Pokemon where they continually continually release new trainer pieces. Yeah, because there's <laughs> such a tiny variety of them, really, and there's so much more they could be doing. Mm-hmm. You can't even really have red hair. You can have one they call pink brown, which is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> and after you finish the game, you unlock wine red, which is like a pale maroon kind of thing. But you can't be like, yeah, I, I just dumped a gallon of red fudge into my hair because I like punk hair. Huh. So weird. Anime hair and you can't have wacky colors. Pink brown. So it's like you could, you can, you can, you can change your hair color to that of medium well hamburger. <laughs> I want to describe it as uh, bruise. It's, it's that kind of pink brown. Oh my god! Not like a really horrible bruise, like a light bruise, not one that goes all dark purple and nasty. By the way, the listener, hi. We're not doing much in the way of structure this week. I'm sure you can deal with that. <laughs> This yeah. is our structure. Yeah. Oh, that reminds me. The point I was actually going to make when I went into this is that the way they tell you they will heal your Pokemon for 10 cents is by rapping at you. There's two of them and they like toss it back and forth. It's a bit like a Team Rocket intro, except full of urban gangster flavor. See, hang on a second. You're talking about an island culture where there is a gang that yeah. primarily... Oh my God, they're queer kids. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I'm, I'm guessing there would be a lot of girls, especially who would be happy if they were, but... So we analyzed uh, hip-hop 
in uh, global cultures in university. I've, ah. done, I've, I've done a unit on okay. this. Okay, tell us about this. And one of the things is that you will find in communities, particularly diasporic communities, uh, outcasts within that community will almost always turn to the artwork that they can generate with as minimal access to privileged tools as possible. Like oil paintings and, and the like were made by people who had enough money to afford canvas sure. and oils and whatnot. Um, and hip-hop is an example. And hip-hop happens globally, and hip-hop has happened in um, separated pockets of population, which is the really well, notable just thing. poetry taken one step further, really. Yeah, um, and indeed, what we currently think of as modern hip-hop is very much seen as an American invention, but a really huge part of it seems to, like, anthropologically traces back to Samoa and New Zealand. Huh. And um, this this uh, this means that, typically speaking, if you're finding cultures of people who do a lot of hip-hop, like, unstructured and without it being, like, commercially brought to them, like as middle-class consumers in America would, uh, then chances are really good you're dealing with people who are, for some reason, outcasts. And in Alola, there doesn't appear to be a particularly strong racial divide uh, as far as access or control goes. So if there's a whole gang full of dorky people with a particular fashion style who are doing hip-hop together, they're a bunch of depressed queer kids. <laughs> Actually, Team Skull is like the only universally white <laughs> they're all white kids, which is kind of yeah, good because if they've they're gone not, for the right angle and it just so happens that this is the enemy <laughs> team that lives in a ghetto and is all... They're, they're just... They're at-risk youth, basically. <laughs> at-risk youth. At-risk at youth. The Pokemon enemy team. The Pokemon enemy team. The alt-right. The, and for what it's worth, the at-risk youth all live in Canada and last <laughs> check. <laughs> <laughs> am, I, am I remember that correctly? Ukraine has just sorry, um, yeah. Canada has this massive Ukraine. Ukrainian population. Yeah, Canada has a Ukrainian population. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it's like how um, one of the largest Greek cities in the world is Melbourne. I thought you were making a Yukon joke. To be honest, no, they, oh, are there Ukrainian <laughs> Yukon? I'm sure there are. <laughs> I've never been. I was gonna make it. I was gonna make it's it. A crew. long way over there. <laughs> There's a long way to everything. You're in Canada. <laughs> Not I'm sure if you're aware of... of this, but Canada's quite big. Which bit of Canada are you in, or would you rather not say on on, I'm on record? Ontario. I'm in southwestern Ontario. Which I'm near say, Detroit, okay. Michigan. Which is to say, by the context of the Weather Network, he's in the outskirts of Toronto. <laughs> you're in the warm bits of Canada. <laughs> I'm as far south as you can get in Canada. <laughs> And you can tell oh, it's warm because man. it's minus four and snowing. <laughs> Such a different world. It's amazing. Whereas, for perspective, my friend in Newfoundland during the polar storm last year uh, was in his in his front yard. It was as cold as it was on Mars at that point in time. And Mars was, you know, the, the, the heat tracker on Mars was on the backside of it, away from the sun. Whereas I think, was it Monday this week? Was like it hit ninety eight percent humidity. Yep, oh, it's ridiculous. It hit ninety eight percent humidity and thirty one degrees. Yeah. Look, you get what you get when you live right next to a lake. Well, thirty one isn't that hot, but it felt hotter because it was ninety eight percent humidity. So the sweat like can't get something. out. <laughs> so it felt like forty something. Horrible. This miserable experience. Like I, I had been lucky because I got to stay inside all day because I'm working from home. And I was in dry clothing, completely fine, in the dark, 
working by light because I just like to work that way. I, I, I like imagining that I am a, you know, person writing dangerous letters to the government. But anyway, and then I had to get something, and then I had to get laundry in from the line. So I opened the back door, step outside, and I felt my shirt. And you died. And you actually died. Uh, yes, I am a ghost. Well, I had to work. Yeah. And my boss is a very well-meaning and dedicated environmentalist. Doesn't believe in air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> Last check, you do have a office dog, though, which is pretty cool. Yes. Well, I think he believes in air conditioning, but he doesn't get a vote. So what we're saying is I'm the only one on this podcast still alive. <laughs> <laughs> You're at minus four degrees over there. Now, granted, that's, that's Fahrenheit, so it's like 20, 28, 20, 27, 28 Celsius or whatever. No, that's no, not. No, it's not. No, no it's I'm not. Backwards. It's four. I'm backwards. If it's, yeah, if it's, it's minus, minus four Fahrenheit. It's minus four Celsius, yeah. yeah oh, thank God. Because it was minus four. Minus I thought we needed to send a rescue team. <laughs> well, well we do sometimes get below zero Fahrenheit, but not this early in the year or in the season. We'll, we'll check with the weather channel as to what uh, the weather's like where Jeb is. So weather network? Weather channel or weather network? Help me out here, Jeb. I, the, I remember there's a joke here, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I, I watched the network in Canada. Right. I needed an assist with that dunk. Um, yeah. Well, I helped, right? Yeah. You... By pointing out that there was a joke, even if I didn't recall what it was. Yeah. So I know this is funny in some context. Yeah. I'm well going to work done. it out later. Well done. Jokes are more fun when you study them. <laughs> well, I, I think they are. <laughs> I got a degree in it, after all. <laughs> You have a degree in jokes? I, I have a degree in media and communications, which included, I kid you not, a unit on comedy. Failed yeah, that I mean, one, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh. No. The the actual unit, you it, it's it's some of the worst thing you'll actually do as like an experience because what they're doing is about internationalizing comedy. So what you do is oh. you get to sit down and you watch American remakes of British comedies or British remakes oh, of Australian I'm comedies. So sor- I'm so sorry. And I watched. I'm so I, sorry. For an assignment, I had to watch two hours of Kath and Kim, the American version. What? And I had to watch the unaired American version of Absolutely Fabulous. No, I'm sorry. no, you didn't. Okay. No, no. I can no, I can imagine didn't. what an American version of Absolutely Fabulous would be. Mm-hmm. But what the why is there a fucking American Kath and Kim? So all of the ways in which they are Kath and Kim are uniquely Australian-y, bogany. You you need that culture. So for some context for the listener, Kath and Kim is an Australian comedy which, like Fox says, it's it's bogan humor. It's designed to make gentle fun, but it, it's very much my uncle is an asshole humor, where if you make fun of your it's... uncle, it's funny, but if someone else makes fun of your uncle, hey, fuck you, that's my uncle. Really? It's, I mean, it's essentially classist humor, except it's for low-class people as well, so it's more like a laugh at your neighbors who are in exactly the same strata as you, imagining mm-hmm. that they're higher class. Yeah, and, and a great part of the comedy derives from Kath and Kim not realizing that they are yeah. low class. But it's not made for middle class people not. laughing at lower class people. It's made for lower class people laughing at lower class people. And and that's why some of the reference pool just went right past the middle class community. But that's okay because there's also just like the comedians in question are really funny, have good chemistry and good delivery, blah, blah, blah. One of the points about Kath and Kim is that Kath and Kim, the, the two actresses playing them, who are your central characters, are both mid-40s 
totally normal looking women, right? And one of them talks about how she's a sex tigress and she's constantly on the prowl for men. And by the way, apparently in the show, she is a very successful sex tigress. <laughs> she gets uh, all sorts of partners and all sorts of laid and it's all very, you know, you know, it is treated actually like, yeah, this woman can totally have as much sex as she wants. That's pretty believable. Bogan guys are not especially hard for Bogan girls <laughs> to score with. <laughs> Harsh. It's the- well, no. It's it's not. It's like yeah. With within this expected aesthetic, sure, she's a hottie. But a big part of the comedy derives from this woman who is not what we conventionally see on television, being described and visualized Absolutely. as sexy, treating herself as sexy, and then following through on it. And like, yeah. it's not treated as. And then she fell on her butt, and it was funny. It was just like, yeah, of course she wakes up in the morning, and the mayor's um, eldest son is next to her. It's like, well, well, wasn't <laughs> expecting that. But um, in the American remake, they're both early 20s model uh, hot women uh, playing the role. What? So they just like wrote a Paris Hilton sitcom? Yeah. Is that the idea? Yeah. Just a pair of hotties hanging around being kind of skanky and unpleasant. And the sets for the the American version of the show are all American style TV sets, which is to say they are their middle class houses (laughs) designed for, you know... You, you're not going to see, like, one one of the recurring jokes in Kath and Kim is that there is a tap that always has to be opened and closed with a wrench that's nearby, and there's comedy derived from, oh, where did the wrench go? And that's uh, right here. See that? oh, hi, Jeb. Yeah. <laughs> hi. Nice. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so weird. Like, I imagined it would still be, like, mm. I, like I thought it was just going to be a white trash sitcom. That's mm. so much dumber than I imagined. And they copy the script verbatim oh. for the first episode. God, but all the setting, all the characters, all the actors, it's... It, they at least change the slang, right? Nope. They're using Australian slang. And this is... Oh. To be fair, there's there are a few things more American than trying to be Australian. <laughs> I'll give him that. Mm-hmm. Much of the same way, there's nothing quite so Toronto as trying to be New York. Hey, not a, not a big audience for that joke. I'm sorry, I'm distracted by rage. Yeah, and, and that was not a fun course at all to do. I don't even like this show. I don't like it either. No, but you would learn a lot seeing what different cultures totally fucking miss about what makes something funny to mm-hmm. to the culture it came from. Um, the British version of Who's the Boss? And like, who's the oh boss? My. Who's the boss? I'm not going to pretend who's the boss is like high art or anything like this, but who's the I'm boss? I'm not going to pretend Catherine Kim is high art. Who's the boss worked, more or less. Sure. The character versions, uh, the changes they made to characters in the uh, in the British version included removing the successful sports history from the Tony Danza character. What? <laughs> That's so, right, Ellie. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ellie is hell? also enraged with this. The whole point of him, he was he's, he's that he was a fairly unimpressive nobody who now moves in with the house with the powerful woman who and, and does things. So there is no juxtaposition at all of his former glory as a sports star uh, with his new <laughs> position as a house husband. He's just a shitty guy who feels like he shouldn't be expected to do things. Yeah. Wow. Which is my OK Cupid profile name. <laughs> <laughs> ah, be right back. Talon is helping the dog into his beanbag. Stupid dog. <laughs> but yeah, um, so hi. How are you two? Oh, video games, huh? <laughs> you know what they should do? Uh, if they were going to pilch an Australian TV show, what they should do is do All Together Now. Yeah. As like a stoner comedy. Yeah. 
Um, but part of the comedy of all together now is that a legitimate, actual, honest to god rock star was a member of the main cast. Like they're going to have trouble doing that. Yeah, good point. You, like you can't you find can... a washed up, drugged out rock star in America who'd have fun making a sitcom. Okay, uh, here is my idea for an American version of Australian show, like an American import. What they need to do is they need to get Chris Lilly, and they need to remake Jason from Tonga, and they need to remake it in Los Angeles, and on the first day of shooting. Every one of the crew beats Chris Lilly to death and leaves him in an unmarked grave, <laughs> then hides all evidence that the show was ever going to be made. I don't know what Jason from Tonga is, but I'm sensing a note of disrespect. It's 16 episodes of Chris Lilly doing blackface as a, as a Tongan teenager. Oh, shitting Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What the hell is that and, and this is the same guy who, who uh, drew fire for his black rapper character who was meant to be a parody of... Uh, Soldier Boy, which was done entirely in blackface. What the hell? Who, like, blackface never was a thing in Australia. Who the fuck adds that to the cultural... Yeah. Artistic consciousness. Ah! Yeah, and, yeah, just... Fuck's sake. I, I, I'm not a fan of this, and I had to watch quite a bit of this for this same unit. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the note of video games, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold the envelope up to my forehead here. First things first, I'm guessing Dante there played Nothing But Devil May Cry and Bayonetta. It's okay, you don't, you don't have to tell us. I'm gonna guess Fox played, uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon, and I'm guessing that Jeb played Final Fantasy XV? I can neither confirm nor deny these reports. I don't know if Jeb saw this last night, but I watched a TV show recently which featured a methodical revenge sequence to the tune <laughs> of uh, Johnny Cash singing "When the Man Comes Around," and I thought, <laughs> and I and I thought watching <laughs> this, this 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 is a this is a dapper older gentleman casually and calmly going through his life and removing every single person who wronged him recently in a very <laughs> impressively done, well directed bit of revenge. And it's so perfect in no small part because of the music. And I remember thinking, is this worth the nine hours of television leading <laughs> up to it that I would oh. recommend this show to Jeb? And the answer is no. <laughs> no not really. <laughs> but the sequence of James Spader just killing everyone to the tune of Johnny Cash. Just like, that's a very Jeb thing. <laughs> It's a very Jeb thing. It's on brand. It's on brand. Yes. He I even will, has I will a hat. Say that. But yeah, so Final Fantasy XV. I've now heard some spoilery things about it that I don't want to share with the podcast, which really impressed me um, because I like I was thinking it's triple a game. It's a mile wide pie. Even if it's good, I won't connect to it well. But I've heard some things that really blow me out about them. That they tried. And I was just wondering if you had any more that you wanted to share about it. Um, I can't really share more because of spoilers. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> so you're in the same territory as me. <laughs> But uh, I've I've reached chapter five now. Ah, <laughs> after crossing yep. the thirty hour barrier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this friend has relayed that there is a single boss fight with checkpoints in it that mm-hmm. can take about two hours. If it's an optional boss fight, it's only oh, there if right. you really want to do it. But you can. <laughs> there, there are uh, some optional encounters that I've heard about too. That uh, apparently can be well. Uh, so far, all the bosses I've I've well, what I would call bo- bosses have had checkpoints in them. So I'm not surprised that the particularly long optional one would too. That's really nice. That checkpoints is- in them. 
Yeah, that's pretty unusual. I believe Bayonetta is the first AAA game I can think of that did that anytime recently. Well, I, hang on. Checkpoints, like, do they stick even if you, like, turn off and reload style thing? Or are we just talking about, like, if you die, you go back to the previous sequence or something like that? Uh, FF, well, for one thing, a really nice thing that FF15 does is it gives you rolling autosaves. Oh, so like two or three autosaves going. Two autosaves going, so it, it won't, it doesn't overwrite your old one, so you always can go back a little bit farther if you want to on an autosave. No, but that's yeah, pretty it cool. Will, it, uh, it will save a checkpoint at several points during certain boss fights. <laughs> Do you get no manual saves whatsoever? Just the there, you also the have manual saves, saves, or you have rolling auto saves and manual saves. That's great. And manual saves are almost anywhere. Very good. There's no they they've re- they finally realized that save points those are a thing of the past and should stay there. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I, I I imagine you Especially, maybe could do something interesting with save points, but nobody did. They were just a sucky version of saves. Well, really, the thing is, like this this uh, Final Fantasy fifteen has campground have has camping spots. It has worked into it what you would think is an ideal place to have save points, but no, 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 no save points. We're just gonna have saves. <laughs> well, you shouldn't you have just to camp pause because you have to. You should camp because it's fun. Well, you have to. Well, you, you camp to. Uh, the, the 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 big big reason to camp is uh, uh, demons come out at night, and demons are harder to fight than normal things because they're demons. <laughs> so you say that, but I'm pretty sure the best reason to camp is because camping with your four buddies is awesome. Three. It's four. also where you. Uh, well, knock this and, and three three close close pals. Three buddies. Yeah. Three buddies. Um. Uh, and it's also where Ignis does his cooking when you camp out. Yeah. So that's how you get your, your stat bonuses, like in Monster Hunter. <laughs> I've heard about this. That is hella cute. Also, it's where if you've, like, been making good friends with the Chocobos, characters will just idle playing with the Chocobos and, like, awesome. giving them pats and stuff. <laughs> um, the, depending on how you've, as you're driving along, you'll, you'll have opportunities to, to perform little side, not missions or quests, but, like, uh, Prompto will see a landmark and, hey, can we go take a picture of that? Or Ignis will say, oh, I'd like to go see this place since we're in the area. And if you say yes and you do their thing, you'll get a little bit more, like, there, there's not an actual meter, but I'm guessing that there's a sort of uh, relationship meter to, to yeah, how strongly yeah. they interact with you. Some and kind of affection when you tracking? Can't, and then when you when you camp out, you'll, you can get uh, what are called, they're also what are called... Um, Tours, which is where, like I mentioned last week, uh, Prompto said, "Let's, let's, I'm gonna go, ca- I'm gonna go take a picture of that Catobla boss, and you're the bait." <laughs> or, or Gladiolus with the, uh, "Let's go train on the beach first thing in the morning." <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, they're basically friend missions, and they were, they, and that that led to them first beating up some crabs and then running in the glistening morning light. <laughs> Okay, you can get back to town first. I'm sure they were like monster crabs, like Final Fantasy, but when you said it, I just imagined them beating up little, you know, like a blue swimmer or something. Take that, stupid crab. They they were in fact monster crabs, but still, (laughs) the the whole the whole like Top Gun, you know, beach scene on the way back was just perfect. (laughs) Nice, (laughs) awesome. Oh, do do you do you pull out a guitar and do campfire songs? Tell me you do. Uh, no, but like no. sometimes prompto and uh, so, I I should I say no. I haven't seen it yet, but there's a bunch of other stuff that can sometimes happen. Like 
they'll be playing games on their smartphones or, or like, <laughs> um, Prompto will will hand the camera over to uh, to Noctis and and he'll Prompto will try and make cool poses with his gun <laughs> while Noctis tries to take a picture and then he just falls over <laughs> because because Prompto is is the sweet goofy boy. <laughs> Excellent stuff. This sounds lovely. What about you, Fox? Anything particularly new to report in uh, <laughs> Sun Moon? I always lose track of what I talked about last week because it's all one long blur when you play Pokemon. Well, actually, come to think of it, you did a, you did tell me about the most interesting. You already told us about the most interesting thing I've heard you mention about Sun Moon, which is the shittiest shakedown operation <laughs> ever. <laughs> That was so. Fu- I felt so fucking guilty doing that bit. I healed like six times in a row, just like hey, to take my money, damn it. Do, do, do you kids need money? Are you eating right? <laughs> what team skull really are lovable, <laughs> and they, you know, you know, they're not really the bad guys. Pretty much right away because they're too goofy. Pretty Someone sure Prompto is part of Team Skull. <laughs> <laughs> and judging it's by the amount of players I see wearing the Team Skull tank. Mm-hmm. I, I think they are quite well liked. I I learned this week that Pokemon Sun Moon will occasionally on um you know how they have the friend interaction stuff. Yeah. One of the things that can happen now if you're playing Sun Moon is it can relay at that friend interaction part of um the 3DS. It can just say, "Oh, I most recently did blank in Pokemon." Oh yeah, there's when you meet them in the the online inter the screened off online interaction area because Nintendo does not want to let you just influence each other's games constantly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you randomly talk to people and sometimes they'll be like, hey, I want you to listen to what I've been doing. Yeah. And it turns out that this has been led to, this has led to tournament scouting because they will sometimes say things like, I most recently taught protect to my Steelix. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I another cute thing is before they tell you the it like randomly picks three things from their log or something that they tell you about. Yeah. But it will always ask you first. I might talk about stuff you haven't seen in the game yet. Is that okay? Oh, that's so yeah. sweet. It's like a little cute. I don't want to hear spoilers thing. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, they're pretty thoughtful. Um, I'm still a bit sore that super training is gone because <laughs> now I've I am the champion of Alola, which. I really can't talk about that either because there's spoilery shit, but uh-huh. it's so satisfying. And it's worth keeping it. Yeah, right. totally. Like, this, this is the first Pokemon game which has a good enough story that I'm like, I don't really want to tell you about it. I, I, I'm not super... Well, everyone knows that Ultra Beasts exist at this point because they were part of the spoiler. So I, I still think Ultra Beasts are kind of lame, but everything else I've really enjoyed. And I love my friend characters so much. <laughs> there are such feels at a bit I can't tell you about because of spoilers. And then there are more of them. And the ending sequence is just freaking adorable. Is it's, there a dance uh, scene? Um, well, there uh, actually there's a dance party ending. Oh my god, I only just realized See? this. Perfect. Yeah, totally. All, all the, the, the uh, not gym leaders, the kahunas and their captains uh, who, who form the most of the game in this, they all get together and have a big dance party. Because they were like, Perfect. hey, we've got 3D models now and they're all animated as fuck. Let's do this thing. It's pretty fun. Um, but that's, I mean, that's the, the end of the story. That's all still in the story for the actual credits because they're Pokemon credits and, you know, they have seven different localizations or whatever. So the credits are a million miles long. I've heard that if if they're 15 too, (laughs) like 15 actually has its credits have checkpoints in it. 
because uh, like, I haven't seen the credits yet because I haven't beaten the game, so I don't know. Yeah, uh, 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 my friend who was telling me about the various spoilery stuff that impresses me remarked that there's the credits, which are the final version you got to see. This is the team that got it from handover. Then there is the team that handed it over. They get a set of credits. Yeah. And then there is the team that's responsible for the overall vision. So there's three sets of credits. And the the, the reason this came up is because Nomura is only in the last set of credits. <laughs> and she was watching this. It's like, Nomura's not in these credits. How badly did he piss them off? Damn. But it's because he's in the last set of credits, which is not so bad. Well, well he's in the last set of credits because it was his idea and then he tried to kill it yep after spending a whole lot of money mm. <laughs> right yeah well the pokemon credits it's like it's not so much like that it's just that it's like credited for every different language team and every different localization mm -hmm. team and then all the you know different logo designs in different languages and all the visual promotional stuff and just like everything um, but the whole thing is just over a bunch of still photographs of, of all the characters in the game. And because the characters are so enjoyable, that's really sweet to watch. Aww. The picture of the grumpy boy from the end credits is just about the cutest thing ever. Hooray. Um, Dante? Dante? Dante is refusing to talk to us because we mentioned Virgil last week. I think he said dot, dot, dot. Uh, man. Seriously, Dante is so fussy. Why did we get this guy? Don't know. Just divas, you know. Yeah, fair enough. He was working. He works cheap. Mm, he was, run, he like was running that poke. He was running that Pokemon Center, and <laughs> we just felt bad for him. Yeah, he only had so many dimes. And and let's face it, it's not like anyone else is hiring him. <laughs> But um, as for myself, I'm replaying Dishonored 2 to try and get the very last achievement. What's that? It's called Royal Spymaster. It's called, yes, it's called yeah. I've Been Playing a Lot of Hotline Miami. <laughs> <laughs> in, uh, in the, there's a hub level effectively in, um, it's not even a hub level. It's just like a, a, a kind of a break room kind of place you go back to from level to level in Dishonored 2 uh, called the Dreadful Whale. And it's the boat you hang out on and restock on and stuff. It's a nice little place. I, I quite like it. But there are 45 books in the Dreadful Whale spread across the six times you go there. Wow, that's a lot of books. And you have to read all of them. Yikes. And I think in one I missed one or two of them uh. each different playthrough. So I'm <laughs> trying to get them all. And the worst thing is you've got to go to the Dreadful Whale, read all the books, be confident you've read all the books, get on the boat, go to the, finish the level, come back to the Dreadful Whale, and then there's a part of your brain that's like, how sure are you you got them all last time? And it's really irritating to get. Oh. It's, a hard, it's a hard achievement. It's a hard achievement. That is harsh. Like, ghosting the whole game is easy. You know, getting all the books is hard. <laughs> um, also, uh, this week... Part of the reason why I was looking up Planeteers, amongst other stuff, was I went back and read some stuff from when I was younger because I got the news this week that Joe Dever, the author of the Lone Wolf game book series, yeah. uh, passed ah. away of complications. He was apparently unwell in general. Um, and I don't know uh, if the listener knows about Lone Wolf. I understand Jeb is aware of it. This is uh, like a fighting fantasy yeah. type thing, right? It's like a solo RPG campaign. Yeah. And Choose your individual with stats. Yeah. What was that, Jeb? Uh, Lone Wolf 
have uh there are, there's at least one lone wolf book on steam right now mm, yeah yeah uh and you can get a whole bunch of them as phone games uh for free mm-hmm. um the the lone wolf books were a thing i i i was big into game books when i was younger because you didn't need specialized tech to get them and our local library had them so mm-hmm. um i really really liked this series of books i've since gone back and read a bunch of them and like oh this is this is nowhere near as challenging or as well written <laughs> as i remember but this is it's fun. It's it's a fun thing. And I'm surprised your parents didn't freak out about it. Uh, they did. I mean, my even my mom had a bit of a oh, I'm not sure you should be getting into this Dungeons and Dragons thing phase. They did. They there was a there was a uh, a very contentious okay point with my family on game books. But you were able to anyway. No, or... after that point, there was Aww. no game books. So anyway, oh sweetie. Um, the thing is, for me. Game books are kind of a place where I started to realize that games were things people made. I remember spending one Christmas holiday trying to make a game book, which, by the way, I did not do. That's Um, okay, we all did. Yeah. Um, And it was never any good, but the important thing is we knew we could try. And yeah, I I guess that that's just... I I like low-tech tools. I I like the stuff that game books tried to do, and... I gotta say, as dumb as they were, I love the Lone Wolf aesthetic <laughs> of basically fantasy Jedi monks. <laughs> and they had such wonderfully silly titles like Flight from the Dark, Fire on the Water, The Chasm of Doom. Okay, until Chasm of Doom, I was like, those are pretty. The Kingdoms. You know, they're okay, respectable titles. Of Terror. Castle mm. Death. The Jungle of Horrors. Castle Death is great. The Jungle of Pogs? The gift shop at the Castle of Death. Oh my god. (laughs) Super deep cut there for anyone who's read that book because there is a merchant at that place who will sell you a part of the Summer Sword. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) You wish to buy my gifts? The Dark Crusade. What are you buying, stranger? (laughs) I'll buy it for a fair price. <laughs> <laughs> My God, if we ever do a game with voice acting, <laughs> everyone um, will be Skeletor. Yeah, it'll be a whole game with <laughs> Skeletor. <laughs> you know what it is? We'll make a game. We'll make a social game where the point is you're playing Skeletor at the Skeletor family <laughs> reunion. <laughs> Trying to avoid annoying stories of your skeletal uncle. So it's all about spot identifying otherwise identical skeletors. Oh, I thought it was going to be about, you know, desperately trying to um, salvage your relationships with your family members, but you're skeletor, so you're all just assholes. (laughs) But these are the only people you have. You have to reach out to your fellow assholes. Yeah. So it's like like lemon grab, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I, <laughs> I've been thinking I told a lot about keep the drippings. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I've been thinking a lot about Joe Dever and about game books and about things that you can make and enjoy and low tech game stuff. I was Go gonna throw in actually that that's um, game books are also something you can do really easily with a visual novel type engine. Yes. Like something like Twine or Renpy. These are some of the easiest, most approachable game making tools around. And they're really resource light. Yeah. You don't have to have even graphics if you can't do that. So like if, if you ever did try and make a game book when you were a kid, there are some pretty good programs you can use to do that now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you should try it. 
And now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news that's fit to print from the graveyard of 2015. Brought to you by Dante from Devil May Cry. Thank you, Dante. This month we have had the... Real, well, this past two months we had the release of games that we were th- we thought would never come out. Particularly The Last Guardian and Final Fantasy XV. So I thought we'd look back at some games that definitely aren't coming out. Specifically <laughs> the games that were killed in 2015. Oh, this is going to be hard. Yeah, it's a short list, and some of them... <laughs> That's good. Some of them are go- I'm going to give partial credit on, because the <laughs> games came out, but what got killed was various ports of them. Sure, okay. So, first up, we have a mathy shooter franchise, which was going to get an MMO expansion only in China. No good grief. A mathy shooter? A mathy RPG-ish shooter. Despite the like, fact that the like, game... Go on. Like Arma? No, 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 no. You're no, you're, you're thinking like good math. I'm thinking... Like what? Borderlands? Yes. In the... fact, it's oh. Borderlands Online. And we're going to make a Chinese-only Borderlands MMO. Yep, developed by 2K China and Gearbox Software, published and operated by Shanda Games. I know nothing about Shanda Games, but I probably shouldn't because they operate exclusively within China. Okay. This is very odd. Next up, we have the Xbox 360 and PS3 ports for a game you could have pre-ordered on the Xbox and 360. Ooh, Mm. that's nasty. From a Polish video game developer and published by Warner Brothers Interactive. So you were kind of expecting to get dicked over. Is this an an Arkham game? Uh, No, no. um, It's about zombies, in fact. Oh, God. Fuck, I don't know which zombie game it is. They've got such generic names. But I remember you've talked about one on the podcast before that was made by a Polish developer. Yes. Uh, In fact, the developers of Dead Island are... uh, Oh, is is it Dead Island? It's Dying Light. Dying Light was going to come out, they claimed, on the PS3 and Xbox 360, and they even for a brief window of time (laughs) accepted pre-orders for the Xbox 360 and PS3 versions. See, this is why... no way. (laughs) When I, um... There's only so much elephant you can fit in a shoe box <laughs> when i went to get the november mythical pokemon distribution from our local gaming store well from our local eb because that was the only place you could get it in australia um the, the the dude asked me if i wanted to buy anything and we didn't have any money that week so it was like sorry just the thing he's like want to pre-order anything and i felt really guilty as i said oh i don't pre-order anything but i shouldn't feel guilty <laughs> i don't buy like, things before they exist yeah. Pre-ordering is for schmucks. Next up, we have a game that's out. Like, it came out, it was very well liked. It's on the PlayStation 4, the, it's uh, on Windows, OS X, and Linux. It's a roguelike shooter. It is single player only. Um, And it was developed by former Sega Japan developer Jake Kazdal. Huh. All right. Uh, he started the company 17-bit in 2009 to make this game. What got cancelled was the Vita release. <laughs> um, it was inspired by new wave roguelikes, especially, especially noting Spelunky and Don't Starve. This game is a fast-paced... Is it, like a, hmm? is, it, is it like a top-down shooter? Yes, it is a top-down shooter with combat that was designed to evoke, at its best, Halo and Far Cry 3. But top-down and as a roguelike. Yes. Made by who? Made by 17-bit. Man, I got nothing. It's a Nuclear game called Galaxy The Dimension. Oh! 
Don't use my Vita. Apparently, the Vita version got cancelled. I, I was just going to ask. Didn't you? Didn't you cover something about this once, Jeb? Maybe. <laughs> you do a lot of work. Next up, we have a game that is uh, critically well-received, has a very negative public opinion, is something of a controversial game. Um, hmm. the, its Wii U release was cancelled. Uh, the game is describable as a walking simulator or as a portland up <laughs> uh, You examine common household objects within a home. Hang on. This, this... So Gone Home was cancelled for the Wii U? Gone Home was cancelled for the Wii U in 2015. Like, you know, I I don't know why I'm going to assume lack of interest. Might have been some stupid Wii Star requirement as well. Remember, Uh, Nintendo is still grumpy bums about who gets to to sell shit in their store. True. Now, uh, this one might, this one's going to be a little obscure. Because I know Fox isn't necessarily up to up to date on all the developers. Well, that'll involved. set it apart from all the other things that we've done so far. This was this was the independent game company Robotokai, formed by Robert Bowling after he left Infinity Ward following the release of Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Three. So there's your pedigree. The premise mm-hmm. of the game centers on the question: What is the greatest threat in a zombie apocalypse? Bowling believes it is the fear that the walking dead instill in survivors who then do unreasonable things to survive. The game focuses on the survivors more than on the zombies. Sure. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard anything about this game? (laughs) I think we've heard about like a million fucking games like that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, that could be any one of a gajillion fucking zombie survival games these days. I might be able to peg it down if you told me about the game. The game was announced on June 1st, 2012, and more details were released in the July edition of Game Informer. On July 19, 2012, the president, Robert Bowling, announced that Human Element would have an episodic prequel released exclusively on the Ouya. Okay, enough of that. Tell us about what the game plays like. Or, or... It never came out. No one, no one knows. Oh, oh, this one was entirely vaporware. This wasn't a port thing. I, I gave that the name. The human <laughs> element you just said. Yeah, it's called Human Element. Uh, there were three attributes players can choose when creating a character: class, identity, and persona. Uh, persona determines your sex and race. This is this is just a great start, isn't it? <laughs> you get it by drawing a tarot card, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then when I, you I, get I, the tarot card, the, your persona stands behind you <laughs> and it gives you superpowers, right? But but here's the thing, right? It got an... Oh, I'm, it just, got, I'm just saying, if you took persona <laughs> and JoJo's Bizarre Adventures and combined them <laughs> and then made them into a zombie roguelike, you'd have a pretty awesome game. Yeah, yeah. Funk, yeah, but look, you could combine Persona and JoJo's into almost anything, and you'd you'd have a decent chance at having a pretty good game. But you'd have Jeb, a pretty good dating sim. Here is the thing, Jeb. Oh my god! I like I said, this is this is a game that was going to have a release, a prequel released on the Ouya. <laughs> it was CryEngine. Of course, it was. <laughs> Again, there's only so much elephant you can fit in a shoebox. I'm still stuck on this dating sim thing. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could release almost any Persona game without the combat, and people would still, like you make all of them into a visual novel, and people would probably still buy that. We have another game I that would, was going to get a PS. I would play any Persona game as a visual novel without yeah. the combat. 
God, that's the worst Absolutely. Part. The the grindy dungeons bore me. Um, and none of the story stuff, like that could all be done with narrative choice trees and stuff. There's nothing about it that actually requires RPG combat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we have another game where the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 versions were cancelled because it turns out technical limitations. <laughs> this is a post-apocalyptic wasteland, desert, canyon, and cave exploration game. What did it successfully launch on? Uh, it successfully launched on Windows. PlayStation 4, Xbox One. Okay. You are seeking revenge on a gang led by Scabarus Scrotus. (laughs) (laughs) With his assistant. Cupid profile name! (laughs) (laughs) Thumb bucket. I'm assuming that this is like Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, this is the Mad. Well, this is just Mad Max 2015 <laughs> video game. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Scabber started his gang Helio Pokemon for ten cents. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we Scab- have Ames Rose needs to heal his own Pokemon for ten cents. <laughs> Next up, we have a game that came out on the PC, and then support for it was killed by the developer. (laughs) Uh, After it had been out on Steam, and after they released a major patch, which fucked up all the leaderboards. Oh, God. I have a friend who played this game and is very bitter about this. Um, Now, what did this successfully launch on? It's launched successfully on Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. Uh, a version for 360 and PlayStation 3 were in development, but cancelled because they could not get the last-gen versions, the quality expected of it, and then they also cancelled PC support because they felt the PC market was too small and too much bother. Yeah. Is there uh What kind of game is it? Uh, it's a fighting game. Some critics particularly disliked the tutorials, microtransactions, and downloadable con- content. <laughs> Dead or alive? What? Uh, nope. Nope. This isn't what happened with DC's fighter game, is it? No. Okay. That's Injustice Gods. Injustice, that's the one I'm thinking of. But it is what happened to them. <laughs> yes, Injustice had the same thing happen because oh. it's the same developer because it's Mortal Kombat X. Oh, oh, I had no idea any of those things are true about Mortal Kombat X. Yeah. There we go. I, I only remember when I only remember when when Mortal Kombat X came out and it was good. And yeah. then suddenly everybody stopped talking about it. Yeah. Apparently the patch support and updates did not do well for it. And you couldn't opt out of patches, which meant that your game got steadily slower. Oh man. Alright. Next up, there is a motorsport racing simulator video game developed by Slightly Mad Studios and published by Bandai Namco, released in May 2015 for Microsoft Windows, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. It was originally also due to release on the PS3, Xbox 360, and the Wii U, but then those versions had been cancelled. Mm-hmm. Dirt? No. Um, I'm actually kind of bummed. I don't really have a lot of useful things to say about this game. Um, it had 74 drivable cars, 30 unique locations, <laughs> 110 courses. Uh, no, but again, with, when it comes to these car games, it's kind of a lot of the names are very similar. Um, oh, it's purely a car game. Yeah, purely a car game. Yeah, It's intended to represent a realistic driving simulation in order to differentiate the game from the established industry leaders, Gran Turismo and Forza <laughs> Motorsport. So it's not those. It was, it's not was a the sandbox approach. <laughs> it was a sandbox approach oh, that allowed players to choose a, racing game. a variety of Morale? different motorsports parts. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to give this one. It's called Project Cars. Just Cars. Okay. 
project cars. <laughs> My favorite car is the grappling see, hook. For 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 a while in uh, for a while in the the realm of the the not massively multiplayer but multiplayer online open world drive around car game, there existed besides the good one, which was Forza Horizon. <laughs> there was Drive Club, The Crew, and Project Cars. <laughs> Can you get more fucking generic? <laughs> I don't get, like, I, obviously I'm from the PC, so, like, the best Formula One Grand Prix racing game for years was called Formula One Grand Prix Racing. So, I mean... Still is? <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, the best we one, have a game. In, in, in content, in, 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 along the same lines, like, the the best uh, NASCAR racing game was NASCAR Racing from the year 2000 <laughs> and published by Sierra, and it hasn't been equaled since. Next up, we have a game that was developed by people who had some success in the gaming industry, got really big, thought that they could totally revolutionize everything they put their hand to, and they wanted to try and bring CCG and board game mechanics together because they didn't see anyone else doing anything like that anywhere. Did Scrolls get cancelled? It is Scrolls! Yes, uh, Scrolls was always going to have an iOS version. Always going to have an iOS version. Mm -hmm. Up until July last year when Mojang said, fuck it, we're not doing anything more for this game. <laughs> we're done. Nobody. Did it? Literally. Did it launch? Nobody. I, yeah. yeah, it did. Literally nobody is playing Scrolls. Yeah, yeah. like I, I, this is why I asked, did it launch? I've never heard anyone say a damn word about it after the legal thing died down. Uh, yeah, scrolls, supposedly all money scrolls making is just going towards server maintenance, which suggests that it's not <laughs> making much money. Damn. Yeah. I have a scrolls account. It was a gift. I've never finished a game. Oh well. I'm I sure Mojang is just fine. Next up. M Mo Yang is doing quite well. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, next up, this, this one's a case. Cobalt. Yeah, Cobalt, I believe, is developed by another party that Mojang publish. So Cobalt's mm -hmm. still in development. Next up, we have... Okay, so this one's, this one's an instance where a bunch of games, which we only had vague information about, all got cancelled at the same time for a fairly obvious reason that the company went away. The list of games were Deep Cover, Division 9, Monster Island, The Lost... Freedom Force 3, mm. and an untitled Vita game in a franchise. Giving the franchise would give away the name of the developers. Nah. -uh. But they made Freedom Force. Yeah, they made Freedom Force. They also made Tribes Vengeance and System Shock 2. Yeah. And Bioshock. And Bioshock yeah. Infinite. Uh, Don't you really know the name of that company? Irrational. That's looking, the one. Yeah. Those looking glass. No, Irrational. This is yeah. when, this is when, uh, uh, St. Kenneth of Levine Mm. You know what? Um, uh, we just made a somehow critically acclaimed game that uh, won a made a whole lot of money. So uh, you're all fired. Yeah, yeah. What a twist! <laughs> You'll find that the unemployment line ends somewhere in the middle. <laughs> Next up. Okay, so this one this one is really weird because it appears Okay, so the game came out in 2004 and since then there were promises of a sequel and then a remake and then a remaster and then everything's canceled go home. <laughs> Harsh. Uh the original game was considered to be a cult hit 
on the original mm-hmm. Xbox. It is a Oni? pseudo card. Hmm? Sorry, Jeff. I was like, Oni? No. It was produced and directed by Yukio uh, Futatsugi, director of Panzer Dragoon. The game was released in Japan in 2004, licensed for release in the US by Majesco. It is a pseudo-card-based action strategy game where you collect up to 300 skills, take missions, and attempt to discover why it's, Earth it's, is in it's, the it's, 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 it's... Fuck, I know what this is. You Fuck. can do it. We believe in Fuck. you. Fuck. Um... <laughs> The the, the yeah. Xbox Live Arcade the Xbox Live Arcade fucking Uno game has a card set for this game. Yes! Yes it does! Oh, oh uh, fuck Cameo. No, no. Uh the game incorporates strategy and action elements in a game that requires mental and reflexive skills, and the game re- remains a cult hit, but since July twenty fourth, two thousand and fourteen, Xbox Live servers do no, not. No 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 no, no 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 it's um 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 um, um. Fuck! It's Fuck. an Xbox card game. I figured this is going to be totally up Jeb's alley. Mm. <laughs> I'll give you the first word. Phantom. Um. <laughs> Fuck! Oh. <laughs> I feel so Breathe. bad. Phantom Dust. Dust. Fuck. Right. Yeah. Oh. And by Wait, all they accounts, Phantom, Phantom Dust. They cancelled Phantom Dust. For most of the early 2000s, uh, sorry, for most of the 2000s after the release of Phantom Dust in the West, when it became a cult hit, there was rumbling that if the game was successful enough, they would make a sequel. And then mm-hmm. as the servers got older and creakier and as the game generations moved on, they said, oh no, we're not going to make a sequel. We're going to do like a remaster, which would be like a sequel's worth of extra content and then a new version of the new game. And then in 2014, when they shut down the servers, they said, don't worry, lovers of Phantom Dust, you can still play it when we release the new fancy version on the upcoming console that we're doing and in july Aww. 2015 they just said yeah no nah, no one's working on that we're That's done so sad yeah mm-hmm. which is by all accounts this game had a jagged alliance like hardcore player base they would mm-hmm. make they would make bits of, of of game bling and and decals and whatnot on xbox 360 and people fan of dust which you could never play it on uh and it- and uh Oh, go on, Jeb. Uh, I was saying, you go on Twitter right now, just casually ask about Phantom Dust. You'll get some, you'll get some feedback. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why it's sad. Like, it's, yeah. I, I don't have any attachment to the game myself, but the people who loved it just can't play it anymore because they killed the servers. That I can identify with. In 2013, Futatsugi revealed that he was planning on kickstartering a new version of the game. And Phil Spencer contacted him and did a du- dual interview saying, you don't need to kickstart it. We'll take care of it. And then a year, th- then two years later, Phil Spencer was like, oh no, we're not doing that. <laughs> it's like a good candidate for a kickstart if it has a super hardcore fan yeah. base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the game's, the game's Metacritic score has never gone down. <laughs> which is a weird mm. bit of trivia. It suggests that literally every time someone played it, they liked it enough to push its average up. Um, or leave it where it was. Not a whole lot of people have played it. Yeah, yeah. And it's got, the, the number of people who've played it is now effectively at a capped limit. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have 
a game that did that didn't get made by Techland. Like Techland were planning on making it, but they didn't wind up making it. With one of the most generic fucking names and generic rundowns. It generic feature- Techland. <clears throat> it will feature cooperative and single player modes and an online mode called Game Master. It will feature Same. random content. Oh, Co-op mode Same. will feature up to four players. Is this on? That was supposed to use the Wii U gamepad to let one person GM for the... No? No, no, that would have been fucking awesome. Uh, no, there was a different... Uh, Fable Legends? That was going to be Fable Legends, yeah. Fable that Legends. was the one I'm talking about, okay. Mo- moment of sadness for that, because I genuinely I know, to see I that. really wanted to see what would go on with that. This game started out as a mod for Dead Island, <laughs> and we have a plot summary, or rather we have two sentences. <laughs> okay. We have two sentences and they are magical. <laughs> Because they begin with, the player will control will control Aiden, bracket, Nolan North, the last member of Cursed Kin, who has formed an alliance with an old mage. Together, Aiden and the old mage must try to stop the infernal forces. Okay. <laughs> Video games are art. <laughs> Aiden and the old mage. Aiden, Nolan North. <laughs> we don't, this game isn't being made, but we've lined up Nolan North. <laughs> Most Aiden frustratingly, and the old featuring featuring Dante from Devil May Cry. <laughs> the most frustrating thing about this is the games that they said inspired them to make this are Hexen and Witchhaven, and I'm, some promising ideas. I'm a '90s shooter nerd. Oh. That's a pair of names that mean something to me. <laughs> there are yeah. definitely worse places you could take inspiration. It got rebuilt I... while they were working on Dying Light, and then they realized that Dying Light could make them a giant pile of money. So this game didn't get made. <laughs> it was really good. But this name's this game's name is still a registered trademark, and its branding has still been made. It was going to be called Hell Raid, <laughs> featuring Dante from Devil May Cry. <laughs> that's that's not a good joke anymore, though, because that just sounds like it should be part of the title. Yes. <laughs> All right, now here's one. Who remembers Concept? Concept. Uh, concept. Uh, oh. Yeah, do you remember one of the games they were going to try and make that was based on Romance of the Three Kingdoms? What? Yeah. The game was to be a retelling of the Romance of the Three Kingdoms story. While the premise had been covered by other Japanese video games like Dynasty Warriors, the twist was that this would be told through anthropomorphic pirate characters, analogous to how Dragon Ball retold the story of Journey to the West in cartoonish <laughs> style. Damn. The game was to star the main character- I kid you not. The game was to star main character Sangokushi, a pirate penguin, and was to feature over 300 animal characters. Inafune referred to the setting as the adventurous great ocean where heroes fight for their ambition, justice, and their lives, and described the game thematically as being about human appeal beyond right or wrong or good or bad. What is waiting in the end? Quit the title. I'm what, sad did you say the now. Pirate, what did you say the pirate penguin's name was? Did you say Sangokushi? Sangokushi. Sangokushi. Yeah, uh, this was going to be a 3DS game by Concept uh, and Intercept, published by Marvelous. I did um, not know that this could have been in my life in, in some alternate universe, and I'm no, really what? disappointed. Uh, they cancelled it claiming... They cancelled it claiming, quote, a shifting marketplace, also the possibility that they had lost 461 million yen on advertising and branding. That may have come into it. Why, why not, well, Jeff? Also, you don't want animal pirate romance of the Three Kingdoms? I do. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to see Concept fuck up another game. No, okay. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, $3.8 million, I, by the way. That's, I, that's how I, much they I, spent I, on promoting I, it. 
I, 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 I gave into temptation and I, I bought Recore. Wow. Oh no. Generic oh, no. and <laughs> average. So average. So How do average. they make you a game with a robot dog friend that's boring? Uh, <sighs> so the game in question was called Kyle, King of Pirates. <laughs> I want a good developer to get this Did they game. sell off their IPs when they folded? <laughs> they haven't folded. Yeah. They're just They're shuffling along quietly. So we, they need to be put down. <laughs> <laughs> Gently. Then, yeah, like I tried to, I said I'm not going to be cruel to them or anything, but like, just so ideas like this can pass on to good studios. Like burp and a baby. <laughs> and we can have Pirate King penguins. Speaking of yeah. generic, this oh, game... Oh, surely you should be a pirate and a penguin. Speaking of generic, this game is a cancelled action role-playing video game previously undeveloped by Bioware Austin. Uh-huh. Uh, set in a modern-day Earth in the parallel world of Embra, heroes possessing magical powers wake up and are pulled into a dark realm at a centuries-old battle. They take part in adventures facing off against an array of creatures in a war against the legions to save all of humanity. The backstory for the game states that hidden... Go on, Jeb. They're making, like, a Majorly Ascension game? I... I'm not going to call it Bioware Derivative to their faces. (laughs) (laughs) This actually has a bit of a a a special thing about it compared to all the other games that we've mentioned today in that it had a very little time before it was finally cancelled. It was announced in 2014... And it was killed less than a year later. This is a terrible idea. Go away. Because they wanted the team to work on Dragon Age Inquisition. Fair. Right. Uh... Wait, they announced it in 2014, they cancelled it in 2015? Yes, they announced it in 2014. I suppose they were still working on DLC for Inquisition. Yeah, they announced it in 2014 San Diego Comic Con. They cancelled it February 9th, 2015. Okay. Yeah. Uh, It had a very positive pre-release reception. Reviewers were praising its customization, optus, tactics, and a mix of magic and weapons in combat. Which goes to show, what the fuck? (laughs) They reviewed a game that wasn't even in beta? Yeah. <laughs> ah, well. Ringing no bells, I'm assuming? No. Its Not name was Shadow Realms. That hmm. does actually sound familiar, but I think it might just be because that was some developer's name at some other point in history. Yep. I think Shadow yep. Realms just sounds like everything. Yeah. It's, it's a stunningly generic name. <laughs> ne- next up, we have Gearbox Software working with Ooh. Ubisoft in E3 2011. <laughs> I'm glad they cancelled this. <clears throat> this was going to be part of the Brother in Arms series, was eventually killed, gutted, and turned into a component of Battleborn. Okay. Ooh. Your four protagonists are Chuck, a Native American soldier who uses a hatchet oh. to dispatch enemies. Montana, oh. a large lumberjack turned Nazi slayer who wields a machine gun. Crockett, a Texas native who uses a cattle iron to brand fallen enemies. Oh, God. And Stitch, a mentally unstable Irishman who shocks enemies with a custom-made taser. Wow. I'm glad this doesn't (laughs) exist. (laughs) Colorful cast of offensive stereotypes. Gearbox Software... President Randy Pitchford stated this game would not be part of the Brother in Arms series anymore and would become a new IP due to negative fan reaction at PAX. <laughs> well, well done, fans. You yep. might have been on the ball for once. Yeah. I wonder why uh, fans of, of, Brothers, of uh, Brothers in Arms, a, a fairly realistic uh, World War II series, I think it's World War II, yeah. uh, series, um, why they 
uh-huh. would, would would not receive well to a mentally unstable Irishman with a fucking homemade taser. Yep. Mm. Apparently, Pitchford was aiming to try and make an inglorious bastards game. Yeah, via Borderlands, obviously. Yeah, the the via Borderlands. There are just there are bits of that that do not fit together properly. This game was called Furious Four. <laughs> and you said Brothers in Arms is a serious <laughs> World War Two. Brother, brothers in Arms. You know how we have that trend of like black and white images of a soldier walking towards the camera, looking sad. <laughs> sure. Brothers in Arms started that. Okay, well. There have been 11 Brothers in Arms games? Christ. There's been a lot. There's been a lot. Yeah, it, and they are, and they, these things are, these things are tightly focused. Like one of them is all about, uh, the Road to Hill 30, which was one campaign component mm-hmm. during World War II. Like there is, this is not a light, fluffy, goofy game, though apparently there are mobile versions of them, which, anyway. Um, yeah. It's the, it's- it's the it's the uh, late '90s History Channel version of World War Two. Yeah, sure, right. Finally, we have probably the biggest cancellation of 2015. It was <laughs> saying Last Guardian gets you a free pass, right? <laughs> cancelled so many times. No, no this this game was cancelled, and there was an enormous furore about the publishers' attempts to cancel it, and the things they did in an attempt to get rid of all sign that the game had ever been in existence. Oh, uh, it's the one that PT was the trailer for, isn't it? So that was... Silent uh, Hills. I forget what it was actually. Hills, that's right. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. The S S was going to stand for five. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah, Silent Hills, which even now is responsible for people paying up to $1,200 for a PlayStation 3, which just happened to have PT loaded onto it already. Four. Four, sorry, four. Yeah. I saw someone mentioning that if you transfer an account where PT is downloaded to the new model yeah. PlayStation they brought out, it does survive the experience. Yeah, yeah, Caitlin which was very worried about that. Yeah. yeah. She, she told me about that. While she was telling me about Final Fantasy 15, she's having a good run with that game console, <laughs> I've got to say. Yeah, well, I mean, it's that's probably a good thing. I don't feel too sorry for the current gen consoles, but uh, you know, it's nice that I'm finally hearing about some things that would be worth getting a console for. Now, just to remember, just to, just to remind you of the the sheer bollocking weirdness around the pe- uh, around this whole thing. Konami denied Kojima had left. Oh, for fuck's sake! For over a month <laughs> after Kojima had left and was telling the world publicly, "I don't work for Konami anymore." And Konami was still releasing statements saying, we're working with Kojima on this project. I was like, what the fuck? That's well, so... Reddit, again, that, is, could, that, could, that would be a thing Kojima <laughs> would do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, sooner or later, he'd be right. You know, if you were working with him, you just kept saying, no, I'm not working for them. Fuck him. <laughs> sooner or later, they'd have to go, okay, well, you're right now. Now, just because there can be no story of this scope without the occasional moment of nerds being nerds, a change.org petition was Aww. brought up to try and get Konami to continue making the game with, with um, Kojima. <laughs> that petition got oh, 194,000 signatures. So we have a new bar for meaninglessness on internet petitions. Yeah. You, can, you have to get more than 190,000 signatures for your petition to mean anything. 
because things that that literally can't be made to happen with a petition are going to get that many anyway, just because. Konami tried to get someone to replace Kojima on the project who they thought could do the same auteur-level work. Uh Uh-huh. Cliff Blazinski. He declined, saying, I don't like LA, I love new IP, and I would have fucked up Silent Hill. (laughs) Good. That's one of the most sensible things he's ever said. So would Kojima, but... Yeah, <laughs> but he'd be interesting at it, I guess. Yeah. Oh, and and here's the other thing: Guillermo del Toro had tapped yeah. a friend to help out I with think Silent Hill. Guillermo del Toro is the more important part of this yeah. uh, partnership, really. But uh, but he had tapped a friend, uh, Junji Ito. Which, if you don't know that name, that's the guy responsible for the Spiral manga or the This Is My Hole, uh, It Was Made For Me thing you'll occasionally see single panel creepypastas out of. Junji Ito is really good at horror. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Really good. Spiral's not something I recognize either, Oh, but you know who's not good at subtlety? Uh, I'll- I- I can think of (laughs) almost everyone I've named today. I'll give you a clue. (laughs) Titties! Randy Pitchford's not good at subtlety. (laughs) Actually, who have I named today who is good at subtlety? Jeb? Uh, Dante. (laughs) Devil May Cry is Dante. Well, he's being very quiet. Exactly. You wouldn't even know he was here. Anyway. Uh, Uh, I'm not sure my favorite PT story is. If it's... (laughs) um, If it's... uh, Hideo Kojima got mad because people beat it too fast. Yeah! (laughs) What a precious baby! (laughs) Or, um, if once people started breaking it down, they realized that most of the shit was just random, so you couldn't really make your way through it on purpose. (laughs) Superb. Like, if you you take a good look at it, PT is a pile of shit. (laughs) It's a really interesting pile of shit. The important thing is that you should never try and wipe your pile of shit from the internet because <laughs> shit sticks to the internet and you're just going to look bad. And with that, we come to a conclusion of things that died in 2015. Some were sad, some were clearly for the best. <laughs> we should do this for Halloween in the future. Yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, Merry that was Christmas. the Concept Podcast. Oh yeah, <laughs> in, in all seriousness, if, if we get busy over the next fortnight and we don't wind up recording any more episodes for the rest of the year, Merry Christmas, the listener. I imagine we will wind up talking for the re- uh, again in the, later in the year because we've got to for do the our rest of the year, nonstop. Yeah. For, we have to do our Goatee of the Year special. Yeah, we've got to do our greatest of all time of the year of the year uh, yeah. games. Uh, Which is yeah. going to be harder this year because the greatest game ever made did come out this year. <laughs> Yeah, but the game you played, you did play a game this year that let you play a Tonberry with long floppy sleeves. <laughs> Precious baby. <laughs> anyway, that was Jeb. That was Fox. And that was Devil May Cry's Dante. Pass it to me, Dante. God, he's Pass- such a dick. Oh God, what a dick. dick. Dante. Get out. Get out. Get out. Another done. edit room. done with this motherfucker. We have been, we, this is the third record. Fuck.